is the ECW original pit bull number one, Gary Wolf, and you're listening to Sunset Flip Radio. Don't miss it. Break out the tables, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be a huge episode of, of uh, Sunset Flip Radio that we have planned for you today. As always, I'm the $100 man, Thomas Lisi, joined with Mr. Wonderful Jeff Noise. Jeff, what's going on today? What up, man? What's going down? Nothing much. We have Actually, a... hold on. Let me, let me redo that. What <laughs> Yes, yes. We have a huge episode today. Now, when we were talking about what to do for the next episode, obviously we knew we had special guests today, but last week when we talked about the top 50 tag teams that the WWF slash E released, we were pretty negative about it because this one tag team that we're going to devote a half of our episode today because the other half also uh, revolves around them is something that uh, is a team that we should have talked about a lot more in this podcast, especially because Jeff's an ECW mark, but we haven't in that it. (laughs) <laughs> and that is the Dudley Boys. Yes, the Dudley Boys, ladies and gentlemen. In some eyes of true wrestling fans, the number one tag team of all time. Um, if you want to know what we think of them, just obviously not just in this episode, but last episode, you can find our episodes anywhere you get your podcast. We talked about how them and the Legion of Doom should be one or two in the eyes of wrestling fans for being the greatest tag team of all time. So when we say the Dudley Boys... Everybody instantly thinks of their time in, you know, a lot of people think of their time in WWF because a lot of people probably never watched them that much in ECW. And to me, I mean, they were what, Jeff, seven-time ECW champions, tag team, eight-time ECW tag team champions. And they just changed the way of tag team wrestling, in my opinion, even when they were in ECW. So, 100%. Yeah. They were actually the first um, mixed-race tag team champions. It was the first time that there was a African-American gentleman and a white guy who were tag team champions in any professional wrestling company. No, yeah. So they were pioneers. They and were. They really led the way for like the Acolytes and you know a bunch of other tag teams that happened afterwards. Shelton Benjamin. Mm-hmm. And Charlie Haas. Yeah, uh, Kofi, Kofi Kingston and Evan Bourne. Yep. Um, but so, they were absolutely pioneers in tag team wrestling, in wrestling in general, in my eyes. But definitely for tag team wrestling. Now it was funny how they formed because they were a part of the Dudley family, right? Uh, obviously, you know, if you want to keep kayfabe alive, as always, a family consisted of Big Big Dick Dudley, right? Oh yeah. So Big Dick Dudley had two sons, Bubba and Devon. Oh, that was Big Daddy Dudley. Big Daddy Dudley, I'm sorry. Big Daddy Dudley got around, and that's why yeah. there was there was Dudley Dudley, there was Snot Dudley, there was the Native American dances with Dudley, um, <laughs> there was Chubby Dudley, and Devon came later, but Bubba was in the group too. Mm-hmm. And he started off having this huge, ridiculous stutter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which which they brought into the WWF when they debuted, but they got rid of it pretty quickly. Yeah, because obviously. Yeah. Hmm. Because you can't do that. It's like you can't do that in television. On Nickelodeon, you can't do that in WWE. <laughs> Even though they kind of came at a time where, you know, you can do anything you want. 
but well, it was silly and stupid. Yeah, it was silly and stupid, but in ECW, it totally went over. It went over because the way that Bubba would do it, like he would constantly get the crowd into it, mm-hmm. and the crowds would mess with him because of his ridiculous stutter. Absolutely. So anytime we start talking, they go, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you hear the whole crowd like doing that, and then he would start, you know, with a, "My name is Bubba, Bubba, Bubba." Like, that's why he became. Bubba, not B U B B A. He was B U H slash B U H. Yeah, Bubba. Yeah, but the other half of this episode today, ironically, is wrapped around the Dudley Boys because we will be interviewing Terrence and Terrell Hughes, formerly known as TNT, a young and up and coming tag team who are actually the twin sons of Devon Dudley. Yeah. So we are going to be interviewing them in about a half an hour. Uh, they've been uh, featured. Uh, you know, uh, tons of independent shows, but they've also been featured on AEW Dark multiple times. A lot. A lot. Yeah. So we're going to be uh, talking to them about their wrestling background, what it was like having Devon as their father, what got them into professional wrestling, and overall their journey throughout their career. And now we're going to talk about AEW with them. But before we talk about them, we just have to talk about the fact that their father, one half of arguably the greatest tag team of all time, but how they paved the way in ECW and WWE. Remember, when when people get signed to WWF, whether they came from WCW or they came from any other company, sometimes the success rate isn't as great as it was from their prior employment. <laughs> Public enemy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can, we can talk about a lot of different wrestlers that came over from... WCW or ECW that didn't have great success in WWF slash E. But one that stands out to be the opposite is obviously the Dudley Boys. Because the Dudley Boys were the best at what they did in ECW and what they brought to the table in WWF slash E. Because when they came over, in my opinion, the tag team division just exploded again into what it was like in the golden era. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, in the golden era of professional wrestling, you had tons of great tag teams. I mean, um, you know, Hart Foundation, Demolition, everybody knows these names. But when they came in to WWF at 99 and in 2000, when they started having these matches called TLC matches with the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian, that changed not just tag team wrestling, but that changed in my opinion, the whole TLC concept from that point till now. We have a pay-per-view named after it, for Christ's sake. No, they they changed tag team wrestling in general for a simple fact of tag teams weren't extreme. No. Like, or uh, they didn't do any, like, hardcore stuff. It was just, it was literally a sideshow, kind of, you know? Mm -hmm. But tag team wrestling was around, like, forever. Oh, yeah. But... It really became something uh, better than, like, um, you know, they had, like, the Rockers and everybody like that was fun. Oh, yeah. Like, a weird lull where they had, like, the Bushwhackers mm-hmm. and, like, you know. The Beverly, the, the Bushwhackers, right. the, the Beverly Brothers. Um, yeah. I mean, like, men on a mission at that point, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it became like a huge sideshow, which it did. wrestling in general was, but mm-hmm. them doing that, it was bad. Yeah, it became a sideshow because what Vince did is he separated the tag teams because he saw so much talent in other wrestlers like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and mm-hmm. and all these guys. So, I mean, but the success that they had in ECW, I mean, 
having rivalries with with tons of guys. I mean, RVD, Sabu. Um, Gangsters, yeah. Eliminators, who mm-hmm. is easily one of the most underappreciated tag teams of all time. Absolutely. Um, Balls Mahoney, Axel Rotten, mm-hmm. you know, the hardcore chair swinging freaks. And then also the introduction of Spike Dudley. And when Spike Dudley came in, that changed the whole dynamic of the Dudley Boys, too, because he went against the Dudley Boys. And anti Dudley. Yeah, so he was the Dudley that was anti Dudley. So mm-hmm. he brought a whole other different kind of dynamic to wrestling, also, because Spike was an English teacher. Huh. He was actually an English teacher before he was a pro wrestler, which okay. is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> So he did, like, um, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, his character was great. You know, the acid drop and all that kind of stuff. And you can't forget the moment when Bam Bam Bigelow freaking gorilla-pressed Spike, threw him into the crowd, and then the crowd crowd surfed him all the way back to the ring. That had, that had to be, what, like three or four rows deep, right, when you threw him? Yeah, minimum. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that guy put his life on the line every fucking day. Um, he, he took that energy into WWE. Yeah, I I remember I watched him take a bump. I think it was from Kane, who choke slammed him, and he hit the back of his head on the table and totally missed the table. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Um. I mean, you ever watch his matches with Mike Awesome? Um. No, actually, I never did. Oh my god, he used to get the shit kicked out of him like horrendously, <laughs> horrendously. How come Mike? He would take the most wicked, wicked table spots. How come when we always talk about ECW or we talk about, you know, anything revolving around ECW, Mike Awesome's name comes up, but it, it's never like a positive thing at the end. Like, well, I mean, obviously he jumped ship. what he did. I mean, he jumped ship, obviously. But... And that was a big no-no at the time. Yeah. But he was, oh, um... He was ECW champion, right? Yep. Yeah. And he just jumped ship. But he but was he dominant. Was he He was dominant, though. Yeah, he I mean, was the a... guy was just gigantic. If he didn't have that fucking mullet, he looks like the most intimidating wrestler of all time. <laughs> but um, it's hard when I mean, he got that freaking nineteen, you know, eighties mullet. Yeah. Black yeah, it's also hard when when Bischoff's throwing you this money, which is guaranteed because he did, he gave guaranteed uh, contracts. And yeah, and then how many did you become the fat chick thriller? Yeah. That seventies guy. Like, awesome. <laughs> Go from being the biggest badass in a company to being the fat chick. That's got to be one of the most craziest transformations of gimmicks, I think, in professional wrestling history. Well, that just goes with Bischoff thought about ECW. He was a scumbag. Yeah. I mean, I think Vince... I mean, the fact that Vince brought ECW in for a little bit and, you know, during the whole when Raw started and I remember I remember the Eliminators coming in and doing their finisher on some jobber. No, it was on like a tech guy in the middle of the it was ring. A camera guy. Yeah, it was a camera guy, I remember that, and Sabu falling off the raw letters and ECW invading WWF. I mean that was awesome because, you know, yeah. you saw I mean, I don't know what Vince was doing. Maybe he was just giving some time to other people or trying to spread the wealth. But I mean what he did was smart because he brought that kind of wrestling into the eyes of fans who never heard or saw that before. Well, what it came down to is he was basically scouting for the guys that he wanted. Absolutely. For the future. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy to think that Rob Van Dam didn't jump ship earlier. Exactly. You know? 
Yeah, because uh, Van Damme stayed to the end. I mean, the Dudleys came over in 1999. They uh, jumped after um, they had that TNN contract. Yes. Basically, what happened with that is as soon as ECW signed on for TNN, the vultures started to sweep in because they knew that now we have another company that we have to compete with. So Vince and Bischoff tried to get a bunch of people. Now, Bischoff had Sandman and a couple other guys at the time. Um, Raven. But they all got aggravated working in WCW because they didn't do jack shit with them. No. So what was what was Sandman's name in WCW? Hack. Hardcore Hack. Hardcore Hack. Yeah, I remember that. Well, first I mean, he's still of, yeah. like, you know, he still likes to be called hack. But I mean, when you call someone hack, I mean, you know, hey, you're a hack. You know, that's like, yeah. obviously, that's a negative meaning. But obviously, he did that on purpose. If he's calling Mike Awesome fat chick thriller, also. Mm-hmm. So, no, but I mean, I I'll never forget when the when the Dudley. I remember the Dudley boys coming in because I remember they came down the ring and they had two by fours. It was on a yeah. SmackDown. And, like, Michael Cole, of course, my favorite guy in the world, was commentating. He's like, oh, those are the W boys from ECW. And then I remember they just attacked with the two-by-fours, and then they ran back into the locker room. And then, obviously, we saw them more on television. And, you know, you saw Bubba Ray stutter, and you remember them dressed up in, the in like, the like the tie-dye and all that stuff. And then they dropped the tie-dye, and they were in camouflage now. So, I mean, you know, they they had a little bit of a 180 gimmick for Bubba did, I mean, you know, when they came over. But, I mean, you kind of have to in that situation. Yeah. And, like, um, Vince didn't want them to completely look like what they were. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to stick with just what it was. So that's why he tried to do the change, which the change was fine. Yeah. You know? Change actually worked with the camo gimmicks and, like, all that other kind of crap. And, uh, well, he, here was the other thing, too, I was going to bring up before. Um, basically, with the TNN deal... All the vultures were swooping in. Vince McMahon hit up the Dudley boys. And basically at that point, they were like, they were the tag team champions. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. They weren't champs at the time. It was uh, Spike and Balls. But Spike and Balls on the first um, TNN show dropped the belt to... Um, the Dudley Boys. And the Dudley Boys were floating around and, you know, like later in the episode they come back out, they start talking shit, they beat up on Tommy Dreamer and who debuted at that point? Raven. So in the first episode of ECW TV, they had the Dudley Boys won the belt. That was their last night there. They were talking about how they were going to take the belts to WWE. And because everybody knew that they were gone, yeah. And and then the returning Raven came and won the belt with Tommy Dreamer of all people. Who obviously, if you're a wrestling fan, you know that those two have had the longest feud in professional wrestling. <laughs> Probably one of the greatest and, feuds in ECW and history. One of the best feuds of all time. Yeah, absolutely. So they became a tag team, and you know the rest was history. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really fascinating. How, you know, the Deadly Boys won the belt one more time to just kind of lose it later in the night to go to WWE. But that was also them, like, passing the torch. And um, 
basically Paul Heyman said, I can't match what they're going to do for you. I can't even give you half of what um, Vince is going to give you. So you can go, but we'll obviously, you know, we'll miss you and we want you want you to be here, but we can't. Um, but they were willing to do business the right way and, you know, have a good spot to really put over the next tag team moving forward. So yeah. it was really cool how they did that. I actually enjoyed that. Well, no, that was good because, you know, they, they left they left the company and they knew that, you know, thinking about their future, going getting signed to the number one company in the world at the time was the smart decision for them. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, the impression that they made, I mean, for me, when I used to watch ECW, I used to watch the pay-per-views because I used to get the hot box. So, like, yeah, yeah. I remember it was awesome because there was always one WCW, one WWE, and then the ECW was like every other month maybe or something like that i remember but yeah, i remember they did, like, every other, okay, they did six paper a year. yeah i remember two there's two names specifically that i'll always remember their promos and ecw history because of watching them on pay-per-view one of them is shane douglas yep. and the other one is the dudley boys and yep. heat wave 99 on the, <laughs> um that is quite possibly one of the greatest promos in ECW history, one of the greatest in wrestling history. If if anybody hasn't seen it, and if you're not like a big ECW um, fan, you know, if you like to hear people talk shit, just yeah, watch Heat Wave '99. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's a thing of beauty. It's the most vile interview. <laughs> like it's crazy. Yeah, like, they rip apart the whole town. They rip apart that whole crowd. And they literally got so much heat that, like, a riot almost broke out at the show. Yeah. They would try, like, the Dudleys would literally try to incite, like, violence <laughs> in the crowd. They just, they, just like, put, they just kept putting themselves over because they knew that they, they, knew that they were going to get that much heat from, from the fans yeah. when they talk shit like that. Because they were saying things that nobody else was saying. Like, I, first of all. I mean, obviously, you're never going to hear the word fuck or shit on WWE at the time. And, you know, Bubba Ray, I think Bubba Ray comes out and he's like, oh, shut the fuck up. And he's talking about he he's calling you know he's saying fat fuck and he's saying stuff like uh, he's looking at a at a at a woman who called who who he said like your daughter's a he's like your daughter's a five dollar whore and then like then you see. You actually see the woman spit on him on television. And, like, he, like, maybe does, like, fake spits back. Or, like, maybe he did a little bit. But, like, that was crazy. I mean, I've I've never seen nuclear heat like that before. That's That was special. That's what made them, in my opinion, different. That was ECW. They were the perfect team for that era of professional wrestling. They were the perfect team in that system. But that goes to show you how good they are as a tag team. Oh, yeah. That they transition from that system to the WWE system and still be beyond successful. We haven't even even scratched the surface about their talent, like their talent as professional wrestlers. And then, you know, 3D is the greatest wrestling tag team finishing move of all time. No one's ever kicked out of it, right? Uh,. If you want to count TNA, no, huh. no, nah, um, no, nah, nah. we won't count TNA. <laughs> and I mean, no one ever kicked out of it. Yeah, no, no, no one's ever <laughs> kicked like, out of it. You, they hit the, they hit Undertaker, they hit Austin, they hit The Rock, 
They hit Kane. They hit freaking, uh, you know, in ECW. They hit the Eliminators. They hit RVD. They hit Sabu. All these guys. Tommy Dreamer. uh, Everybody. All these guys victim to the freaking 3D. They broke Beulah's neck. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, All this stuff, man. And not on, like, not even just the fact of how good Bubba Ray and Devon were. On top of it, the stable itself, when they had Sign Guy Dudley mm-hmm. and Joel Gertner, yep. who the Dudleys cut the most amazing fucking promos, and the second best promos were Joel Gertner. He was hilarious. <laughs> so it was just, it was phenomenal. Sign Guy was super entertaining. Um, I mean, just everything about the ECW run was perfection. It changed tag team wrestling. Then you want to come into the WWE, and you saw what happened to the public enemy. The acolytes beat the shit out of them because <laughs> they refused to do business. They refused to do business the right way. So the acolytes beat the shit out of them. Again, like I said last week, never fuck with Ron Simmons. Nope. They did. Or Bradshaw. So they got kicked out of them and never showed up in wrestling again on television. Yeah. So and and we and said, we talked about a couple episodes how Public Enemy kind of dicked over the Dudley Boys in they dicked over everybody. yeah because they didn't um they didn't sell the 3D got up walked away yeah and then they beat they the shit out of them. to be like they thought that they were like way bigger than they were Public Enemy sucked I'm sorry I didn't like I like, I remember them from uh, WCW and ECW and like. Yeah. Be- yeah, besides bringing out the fucking table, and I mean, we'll get the tables in a second, but like, besides bringing out the table and doing like the wave, I mean, again, I'm I'm not a professional wrestler. I watch it. So, I mean, you know, you know more about technique and shit than I obviously do, but you know, they were terrible. but they watching, were terrible. watching it as a fan, as a fan of professional wrestling, that's, that's a big no for me, dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Dude, it was just. Like, the only thing that they had was that stupid wave that they did. And then in ECW, they brought in everybody from the crowd. They all started doing that wave, and the ring collapsed. Now, it wasn't because of they were super over. It's because of uh, Paul Heyman's cheap and, <laughs> and the fans savages. So, obviously, the ring was going to break. Yeah, and of course so. and, of, and of course, they showed that in the beginning, in the beginning montage or opening credits of every ECW episode. Yeah, but realistically, it's because of the fans. It's not because of the public enemy. Yeah. But... But, you know, seeing what happened with them, Vince was like, okay, are these guys going to be fucking scumbags too? So let's feed them to APA and see what happens. Because the tr- the freaking bar at the level at the time was always Farouk and Bradshaw. Yeah. But they came in, they did business the right way, and they laid it into the APA in the proper way. So they were over, they were accepted, they were WWE people moving forward. And... You know, Bubba and Devon both used to do a lot backstage for Paul Heyman, so they had a very good mind for the business, mm-hmm. and they had the same thing in WWE. Now, obviously, they weren't, like, promoting and booking and stuff like they did in ECW, but they knew how to help, and they knew how to get the company over in the right way, and they were always at events. Dudley's were at, like, events constantly, so... They did the business the right way. Oh, well, yeah. And, I mean, you know, then it started off like, you know, they went from fighting the APA all the time to the Hardy Boys and Edge Christian going to the TLCs. Yeah, I mean, the TLC matches, you know, the, the first one at SummerSlam and then the second one at WrestleMania, I mean, they yeah. they completely changed at the time. I mean, th- those are some of the brutal matches and the spots in those matches between all six competitors, whether it was 
Hardy Swanton bomb off the ladder or Edge's spear off the swinging ladder onto Jeff Hardy. It, it, you know, it's, it was just ridiculous what they did, all six of those guys. I mean, I would say five, but I know Christian's one of the other ones, so I'll say, <laughs> well, we'll say well, six. But what now, tables, ladders, and chairs, the key word in that is tables because once, once those – yeah. Get the, <laughs> Get the tables. Like once those matches happened, the table was was used a lot in the Dudley Boys' repetition as you know props slash gimmicks in a lot of their matches, well, not just in the matches. Oh yeah, they were doing it before. They were doing the tables before the TLC happened. That's why they set it up that way. Yeah. Because actually, the very first TLC match was in ECW, which nobody even knows that, but it was. But they brought it over because. The Hardys were doing ladders. Dudley's always had the tables. That was like their thing. They were putting um, May Young, Terry Reynolds, oh, yeah. like all the women. They, um, the they put um, who's the other one? Tori. Tori. Yeah. Um, Whether it was Tori or it was May Young, I mean, the May Young to me sticks out in my memory as being the most uh, memorable powerbomb, just because I remember coming off the stage and the. The funniest, see, the funniest thing about the Dudley Boys was always their reactions to everything, like oh, yeah. the stone cold well, face. They had that, that blank stare, the euphoric stare was great. It was awesome. The like that euphoric yeah. stare really just stood out, and it was. These guys are here for business. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But see, he had that euphoric stare, and then Devon would do the spin around, and then do the cross afterwards. Yeah, that shit was awesome. That was awesome. Testify. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I love. He's a very religious man. That's actually why you know he kind of like you know did all the stuff that he did. And they became and yeah, Reverend Devon. Completely talking all the shit. It was always Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> well, they started off feuding in ECW too. They worked against each other and then became a tag team. Mm-hmm. Because I- Bubba was Bubba and Adelis were face, but Devon was heel. I never liked how he became Reverend Devon. You know what? It um, it was what it was. Mm-hmm. It was fine because you know there's always one guy that like you know unfortunately didn't he's a tag team wrestler he's 100 percent a tag team wrestler um but he was good singles but they wanted to push bubba just because bubba was the backstage guy more than anything but devon developed into the backstage guy hardcore the only positive that happened from reverend devon was deacon batista yeah i was about to say that batista was the only bright side that came out of that gimmick yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, when, when you split tag teams up, it can be sensitive or it can just be okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yep. a lot of tag teams, when they split, good or bad. I mean, when you split the Dudley boys, I mean, their reputation was just off the charts. And then... It would have been like splitting the Legion of Doom. You yeah. Know what I mean? And they they really never did split the Legion of Doom. I mean, Hawk had his problems. Only when, only when Hawk was a drunk. Yeah. When, so. when, when Hawk got fucked up at SummerSlam 92 and was in England for an extra week. Uh, doing coke and pills and, and vodka all day. That's when they split because he stayed there and, and Animal came home and was doing solo shows by himself. Yeah. And then when Hawk went to Japan and they had a Japanese guy play the role of Animal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the like the Legion of Doom. And, like, even if they did split up, like, on purpose, yeah. you know, I don't think it would have been as well, obviously, as a tag team because, I mean, like, those guys kind of worked off each other. Like, yeah. they were a tag team. So, like... But like, like the thing about the Dudley Boys was, yeah, like in my opinion, like if you look at the wrestlers, I totally think Devon Dudley was so underrated as a wrestler. 
Dude, he was great. He was like, great. He was, he was a bigger – both of them, both bigger – like, they're both bigger guys, both very yeah. agile, both very agile. They both understood psychology, and they both knew the art of the cell. Mm-hmm. Like, everything – they had everything when it came to professional wrestling. Like, Devon had a really good look in general. Like, he was, you know, built up nice, yeah. like everything like that. But Bubba was, you know, big – but also Bubba could move. Yeah. Like that was the thing about Bubba is he could move and he could work anybody in any size. And then later on in his life, man, when he went to TNA, Bubba got shredded. He did. I mean, he was Bully Ray too. And the whole... Actually, not even like TNA. He started getting shredded when they did One Night Stand, the first one. Okay. Bubba came back and his arms were filthy. And like, you know, like the dude just got in phenomenal shape. He was the best shape of his yeah. life. Yeah. I mean, they, they so had, they had success. They kept getting better. They had success in TNA. I mean, Bully Ray, uh, yep. he was a world champion, the Aces and Eights. Uh, yep. Devon was in it, and the Bubba Ray's the leader. So, I mean, like, you know, them two. Dude, they were IWPG champions, too. Yeah. They were tag team champions in Japan as well. Mm-hmm. There's that infamous picture of them holding up the four, cha- you know, the IWPG, the um, WWE, the WCW, but they weren't in WCW, but they won the belts during the invasion mm-hmm. and the TNA tag team titles. And the other thing that was crazy about that was during the whole invasion angle, who was the most important people? Really, the Dudley boys were. They put so much stock in the Dudleys that that te- the uh, the five on five tag team had the Dudleys in that match going against freaking. Austin and you know the Rock, Triple H, Jericho, mm-hmm. and like all that stuff, man. That's how much um, money they put into the Dudley Boys and faith they put into the Dudley Boys. Shit, they beat the Rock and Sock Connection. They you did. Know, they they did. The Rock, the tag teams. It's it's the reputation that Bubba Ray and Devon had, and you know, right now we're going to be talking to the future of. Of I guess you can say a part of the Dudley Boys, uh, Terrence and Terrell, Terrence and Terrell Hughes, uh, TNT. Yeah, the few. I mean, as, I'll tell you right now, if you never heard of these guys, uh, look them up on YouTube. They're very good. Um, Ter- yeah, Terrence and Terrell Hughes, TNT, twin sons of Devon Dudley. Uh, look them up. But while Jeff's doing that, you know, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just talk uh, like I always do. Um, remember guys, we are selling t-shirts. Okay. $20 a t-shirt for Sunset Flip Radio. You can, uh, we can ship it out to you or we can, uh, meet you up and talk about wrestling. It's, it's obviously to support the podcast, to have great guests on for us to do more for you, the listener. So 20 bucks a shirt. If you want to reach out to us, you can contact us through Facebook or, um, Instagram at Sunset Flip Radio. We got huge things coming up. We have a couple shows coming up. Remember, September eighteenth, uh, twenty three hundred arena, ECW uh, arena. Uh, we're doing the Legends of Wrestling. Where tons of people will be there. You have a chance of coming down, not just to hang out with us and be on one of our live episodes, but you can meet people like Kane, Mark Henry, Layla, um, Enzo, Diana Perrazzo is going to be there. Rob Van Dam, Ron Simmons is going to be there. Tons of professional wrestlers are going to be there. So make sure that you carve out some time in your schedule to come down to September 18th, 2300 Arena. Tickets are on sale now. Come hang out with us. Buy toys from Jeff. It's going to be a great thing. Also, what we're going to be doing this week, probably towards the end of the week, maybe on Saturday, 
We have money in the bank coming up this Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, but what's coming on Friday is the first live event, SmackDown from Houston. So we have SmackDown in Houston on the 16th. We have Money in the Bank on the 18th. And right smacked in the middle is going to be Sunset Flip Radio live on Instagram talking about all things Money in the Bank. Finally, we know the final competitors in the Money in the Bank. I was wrong the whole time. I said Cesaro was going to win, but he's not in the match. He did his job previously. He had a match at Roman Reigns. He's done. He's not going to be used. But um, we're going to have we're going to see Big E. We're going to see Kevin Owens, King Nakamura, Seth Rollins, Riddle, John Morrison, Ricochet, and Drew McIntyre are all going to be in the Men's Money in the Bank match. Who's going to come out on top? We're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about the unfortunate injury to Bailey. So Bailey, unfortunately, tore her ACL, so she's not going to be wrestling at Money in the Bank against Bianca Belair in the I Quit match. So what they're going to do is in the first live episode of SmackDown, they're going to have Bianca against Carmella. So, I mean, I guess you can look forward to that. It's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a typical match where you're going to see Bianca come back, but then you're going to see Sasha Banks return. Okay. So Sasha Banks is going to return on July 16th. Also, a lot of rumors that John Cena's coming back July 16th. So. Hey, Tom. Yeah. We are on the phone now with Terrence and Terrell News TNT. Oh, Terrence and Terrell, how you doing? This is Tom. Hey, good. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on Sunset Flip Radio. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having us. Oh, no, no problem, man. So, um, I mean, we introduced you guys... Uh, before you know, leading up to your episodes of being the uh, the twin sons of of Devon Dudley and um, what I I want to ask you this just straight out: What was that like growing up as your father being Devon Dudley, like with your friends and stuff? Like, oh, you know, why your dad's Devon Dudley? What was that like? It was really cool, just because we were fans of wrestling growing up, so okay. we enjoyed the product. And uh, he was kind of like a superhero to us just because he was, yeah, he was a wrestler himself. So um, a lot of the friends that we had growing up were big wrestling fans as well. Mm-hmm. So they always thought it was really cool. But it, it was it was fun because we got to go to shows and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah it was really cool. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, um, I also look up to your father as a superhero myself. Yeah. <laughs> I am a huge um, ECW fan, and growing up, I was always a huge Dudley Boy fan. So yeah. I want to see that, and I, you know, wish the best of uh, success for you guys, which I see a lot of talent growing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how is it working with uh, AEW Dark? You had a lot of matches with them. Um, are they calling you back anytime soon? Are you going to be down there again? Yeah, we did um, over the coronavirus, which gave yeah. us a lot of. It gave a lot of people opportunities. I think dark is just something that just kind of happened as the virus happened. Yeah. They had located in Jacksonville. So it was some good and bad that came from that. Yeah. And then um, we were doing extra work with WWE and AEW at that time. We were doing yes. the retribution stuff, the underground stuff. And then um, we had a tryout with WWE. And then we went over to AEW. So we were just trying to get opportunities anywhere we could. And... Um, our experience with AEW is really cool because with WWE Extra Work, you are able to do stuff, um, but it's a little limited. You don't always get matches. Sometimes yeah. you'll be in the background. Sometimes you'll do security. 
Uh, with AEW, you're a little bit more involved because you actually get to do matches and you get to wrestle their top talent. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, then we got to wrestle SCU. Um, he's, uh, pretty much all their top tag teams. I think the only one that we didn't wrestle was Private Party. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which they're great talents, too. Yeah. So that would actually be one hell of a match. I'd love to see that. So. Yeah. The match. But yeah, they're, they're called. We, we kind of just go with them as as each week goes yeah. um as of right now we still are not contracted to them uh fully but we are still uh going over there doing extra work they're coming back in august so okay. yeah very nice it's nice. like a very old school approach that it seems like you know just all right bring your bag let's uh you know get the work in and then you know if we get on tv you get on tv yeah so, uh, what was the tryout with uh, WWE like? What kind of, um, what type of work did they have you go through? It's a four-day tryout. So, uh, the four-day tryout consists of, uh, the first day is just medical stuff. So, you you uh, pretty much just like a check-in. You know, they just check make sure you're medically cleared. Uh, day two is a promo day. Um, so, you got like the coaches. You got... Uh, the people trying out whenever you want to. The, the, there's people trying out, and then there's NXT talent that are there to help and coach as well. Um, so this, the second day is like promo class, and then it's like workout day. You know, they're pretty yeah. much going to mm-hmm. like make you throw up, put you through whatever. <laughs> uh, the third day is all workout day, like the full day of working out. And yeah. then the fourth day is like half workout, but like a light workout. And then at the end of the day is like match day where they pretty much do like a show. So like if fans were to come to an NXT show, um, I pretty much want to get a vibe of what you guys would be like, uh, what the wrestlers would be like if they set up a show. So they have like eight matches or 10 matches and everybody sits around the guardrails just like a regular show and they just, you know, do their thing. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah I, it was pretty. Yeah, we oh. did we did an NXT mock show, so it's kind of like what you see normally with like scripts and all of that. And we got to work uh, other tag teams from like Evolve and stuff. But it was really pretty. <laughs> yeah, I, I always wanted to know what what like the NXT tryouts are like because I mean, I know somebody through a friend of a friend who actually had a tryout back in I want to say June. I mean, I, I haven't talked to them since, but, like, you know, I always wanted to know what it was like and, like, who, who they paired you up with. So, I mean, um, but, so, you you brought something up before I want to ask you about. So, when you were doing extra work with WWE, you did something with Retribution. What, what was that like? Were you one of, like, the people that, like, bum-rushed the ring and stuff for that? Yeah, there was, um, there was a lot of people there, actually. It was, like, every week it was, like, 50 people. Wow. They had like two different things. They had the raw underground section. Yeah. They had people standing around the ring and then getting in the ring and then they had the retribution. So it was a lot of people. So every week was something different. Like one week, I think we jumped uh, Titus O'Neill and Alberto. And then uh, the next week, I think we, yeah, we jumped the ring. And then uh, the next week, we just stood around in a, in a backstage vignette for a promo. So. <laughs> Um, it was just like a bunch of random stuff because like everybody's in masks, so you don't know who's under there. Yeah, yeah. So really, no job that we couldn't do really. Yeah, that's. I mean, we we've talked about that whole angle before, and it's just it's just so funny how they put so much time into something and then 
the final re- the, the final result it's is really is they yeah it, it's total crap but um yeah. now i want to ask you a question now growing up you know with your father and everything did he ever put pressure on you guys to become professional wrestlers or is that just like one day you said hey you know what we want to do what our dad did or we want to get into the business so like how, how did that work growing up uh, the complete opposite, actually. He didn't want us to get in the business just because of the way the business is, living it out of suitcase, yeah. uh, dealing with mm-hmm. politics, uh, how the toll it takes on your body, um, stuff like that. So he didn't he didn't want us to get in it at all. And I think when we were younger, he had asked us, "Do you guys want to get in the business?" And we had a, we had said we did. And I think he thought it was just a phase. Until as we got older, we still kept saying yes. And then um, at one point. TNA had an opportunity where uh, the writer at the time, Vince Russo, had an idea where Henry Bubba had talked about bringing us in and involving us in a storyline. Mm-hmm. And so that's, he was like, well, I mean, they always say they want to do it. So why not just agree to it, bring them on this like small storyline? And if they like it, we'll see how serious they take it. And then that was kind of our introduction to the business. And that was kind of like his test to see if we were going to do well with it and if we were going to like it and keep sticking with it because we had to like take bumps too at the school because when we uh got involved in the storyline i think we did like two or three pay-per-views my brother went through a table and then i took a kick to the face and so we had to learn how to take bumps and we were only like 15 at the time wow teaching us how to take bumps and stuff like that we just kept going with it and we liked it like the more bumps you gave us the more we wanted to get in it and do it and do more stuff so he kind of figured out that, okay, you guys want to do this, and I think you guys really enjoy it, so I'll, I'll, I'll train you. Uh, but if he was going to train us, we had to listen to everything that he wanted us to do and how he was going to train us to do it. Absolutely. I mean, your father had, him and Bubba had, you know, some of the greatest ring psychology, I think, out of any tag team of all time. And, you know, before we talked to you guys, and we talked about it in our previous episode, how the WWE came out with a list of top 50 tag teams, and... And the Dudley Boys weren't number one or number two. It was total bullshit, in our opinion. They got the and um, they were like number five, right? Yeah, they were number five. Yeah, that's that that's horse. That's that's garbage. Um, but you know, we don't make the list, but we just get to talk about it. So, but I mean, the psychology that that your father had, along with Bubba Ray, was just ridiculous, and it was just a pleasure to watch those guys in the ring, and and to see it now, and and the way that you guys wrestle is that that must be awesome for your for your dad to see too and um so he trained you uh what was that was it just like he trained just you two or did he train like a bunch of other people at the same time or did he just devote all his time to you two he we actually just uh like there's like 50 students in our classes mm-hmm. so yeah. we started training and uh we started training when we when we graduated high school in 2012. And, okay. Uh, we just jumped in, and jumped jumped into the class. We were just normal students like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the Team Three D Academy, correct? Team Three D Academy in Kissimmee, Florida, and then uh, a lot a lot of things have changed since then. Uh, we all started uh, in Kissimmee, Florida, and now they split it up where they have uh, Bubba, who owns one location in Connecticut. Uh, he still calls it Team Three D Academy, and then our dad, Devon. Uh, moved his location from Kissimmee, Florida, to Winter Park, which is just like 30 minutes away. But it's okay. in a different location right across the street from the WWPC. And he changed the name. It's not Team 3D Academy. It's Devon Dudley Academy. Yes. Uh, so yes. He kind of like did his own thing. So 
who came up like this is a huge honor and uh awesome that you guys are going to be doing the 3d moving forward now was that your idea or did aew tell you guys maybe you should start doing this uh we just did it before aew because we, okay, yeah. we were getting work and stuff on the indies so yeah. on the indies we were wrestling other tag teams and just trying to come up with uh like just just get better get the reps in and, and, and yeah. get psychology and um the finishing move that we had done in training school was a 3d so we just kind of carried it into aw the only thing that's new in aw is the what's up um yeah we, yeah we saw that, that yeah we did it recently just because uh you know, why not use it? It's if it's something that fans are going to recognize. It's iconic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean the 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 three D is. I mean it's it's a, it, it's one it's the greatest tag team finisher of all time, straight up. So I mean, for you guys to use that, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. growing up, I mean, like you know, we we've had a couple wrestlers on our podcast, and we always talk about influences, like what got you, like who did you look up to. I mean, obviously, with your dad being a professional wrestler, but like, were there any other wrestlers that you two looked up to specifically while watching wrestling when you were younger? Yeah, I watched. I, I liked like the intense wrestlers, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay. Um, yeah. My dad watched a lot of old school wrestling, so I watched it with him too. So we would watch like the Road Warriors. Uh-huh. Um, I, I never had like one in particular wrestler in mind that was like my only guy that was like my favorite. I just kind of had like top three wrestlers. Yeah. So it was like Stone Cold, the Road Warriors, and I really like Kurt Angle. So I'd probably say those are like my top group. Nice. I mean, that's a, that's a great list right there. Okay, that's a great list. Angle should be on most people's top list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. And, um... Not enough people have, like, an amateur background, so that's why I thoroughly enjoy seeing Kurt Angle. Um, do you guys have amateur background as well? Like, uh, Greco-Roman style? We do, yeah. We, I mean, not like Kurt Angle or anything like that. But yeah. we, in, in high school, we, we were uh, collegiate wrestlers, and we were uh, state qualifier. I never went to, like, the college to take it that far. Yeah. Mm. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, the now with with the AEW, and I know, I know you guys have been on on um, on AEW Dark a couple times, and the process of picking you guys to come down and all that stuff. I know, like you know, you bring your gear, you get set up, and everything. But like, do they give you that like in advance, or is it like okay, we're gonna be doing, you're gonna be working a couple weeks? You know what I mean? Or is it like a week before they'll call you up and say, hey, I'm, we want you to come down, wrestle this tag team on Dark, and we're gonna take it like this. Is it kind of like, not like last minute, but is it like, you know, they are the plans made ahead of time for you to do that? Uh, the last show we did was, the, the last show we did, um, I text, I texted them the day before and said, do you guys have an opening? Oh, okay. And they said, yes. They said, yes, come tomorrow. <laughs> and then we just drove to Jacksonville. Nice. Um, the one time I texted them like a month before, um, they're not like, well, actually, WWE does that too. I, I think for extra work, they're not really particular about it. Like, like you see, last time was twenty four hour notice. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah. we're also we don't they don't have to fly us out, which is easy. So if we yeah. if, they, if NXT is doing something at the PC or doing it at the uh, full sale or uh, AEW's at Jacksonville at Daily Split. Uh, well, first off, PC is only like 15, 20 minutes from us, and then Jacksonville is only about two-hour drive. Mm-hmm. So we literally, we literally need no notice for it. 
Nick Camarado, one of the guys that signed AEW, he told me that um, they called him and said, can you get on a flight in like the next five hours? Wow. And he like <laughs> took his bag and went on a flight and flew there. So it sounds like they do it to people who even are out of state. And then one time we did a WWE PC tryout. And one of the guys, because you know, I told you it's a four-day tryout. Yeah. One of the guys showed up on the second or third day, and he said that they had called him and said, "Can you come here tomorrow?" And he just flew in the next day. So I guess it depends on if they really want to see you that bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we spoke yeah. with a couple of wrestlers the same way. You know, um, Anthony Bennett, uh, who was in the two hundred five. Um, competition you know the cruiserweight classic that they did uh you know he had very similar stories where they just like you know oh hey we need you like this week can you come in now you know or like you know they gave him like a week or like not even a week like a day notice (laughs) and you know you just gotta be prepared like i said you you always gotta have your bag packed yeah bags packed ready at the door we're always told if you are going not to work and wrestle a show just like always keep your your gear in the in the car just in case you you do work or if you're near the area always bring your bags with you bring your gear with you because you never know where you can get that call yeah (laughs) (laughs) do you have um go oh go ahead jeff i'm sorry Yeah, so you guys were obviously very young during the ECW stage of your father's um, career, but do you have any memories, like, um, from either when he was in ECW or when he went to uh, WWF at the time? Like, what kind of memories did you have as a child, like, going to the arenas or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. um, All of it, actually. I mean, um, with ECW, I remember... uh, we used to go to the, they used to have the ECW offices. And so my dad, that's where they had like all the merchandise, like mm-hmm. the action figures and stuff like that. So I play with action figures and stuff like that growing up. So my dad <laughs> would uh, have trips up there really often and he would see Dreamer and Polly. So we would go, he'd take us with us so that he could let us like pick toys and stuff like that. And then I have like just kind of odd memories doing random stuff. Uh, walking through the locker rooms and, 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 and guys talking to us. And then uh, with WWF things, um, I, I, I remember specific and little conversations with like Eddie Guerrero and Undertaker. Um, not Obviously not every little detail, that comes, but a lot that definitely stick out to you. That's great. Man. I mean, if if I met the Undertaker, I mean, he's my favorite wrestler of all time. I have him tattooed on my yeah. arm. I, I would probably, obviously, shit my pants. But I mean, you know, I'm a thirty, I'm a, I'm a thirty five year old man. I'll probably shit my pants if I, if I ever met him. So that's that's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a good job. He's still alive, so gotta find out a convention or autograph signing. He's that. Yeah. yeah. Now he actually might have an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's fired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's my ultimate goal. One day is to. Is to is to meet him, so. Well, um, the other uh, question that uh, no, never mind. Tom, you said you had a question. For it me. was funny because actually, you you did mention the question about if you had any memories growing up being in the locker room as a as a young kid. That That's was actually memory. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so 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 yeah, Jeff, it was pretty cool. I I, I remember um, just like you were saying. How you know you would hit your pants, and and that's kind of the feeling. Obviously, uh, three or four year old would think if you're looking up. <laughs> oh yeah. But 
you know, monsters. So I would do that too. And my dad would play pranks on us. So he would have Kane come up to us and he would scare the shit out of us because he'd be in his makeup and he'd be in his full gear. Oh, yeah. I, wouldn't really, I didn't really <laughs> want to say much. I'd hide behind my dad a lot of times in situations like that. He would tell Kane to like follow us and then tear us down and, and stuff like that just like mess with us and then he would have uh i remember the rock doing that where he would just look at us and stare us down and i didn't know what to do because they're just like you said big guys and as a four-year-old five-year-old guy it was, it was intimidating so yeah. it was pretty i don't know why my dad got a kick out of that he got a kick out of that <laughs> well, you know they, look, they look at you now when uh they're not going to be trying to mess with you nah <laughs> In 2016, we went to the Royal Rumble, and I saw Kane, and me and my brother got together and saw him in the locker room and said, you can't mess with us now, like, not with the two of us. (laughs) (laughs) You can't pull that that no more. Him and JBL used to do it a lot, so we would joke came back, like, you can't pull that no more. Yeah, JBL, JBL seems like he's a ball buster. I mean, like, I mean, I've read stories, I've seen shoot interviews of wrestlers just saying that he's a ball buster. Yeah, Yeah, Bradshaw. Yeah. But listen, Terrence and Terrell, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time out on a on a on a weekend to talk to us about professional wrestling, talk about AEW, talk about your past experiences and uh, it really means a lot to us and listeners. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you guys very much again. Um me myself, I want to say this is an honor for me cuz I'm a Absolutely. Huge, you know, Dudley Boy fan. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's really awesome to see the lineage continue with you two getting into wrestling. And anytime that I see you guys, I'm thoroughly entertained. I know you're kicking ass. I know that you're going to have a bright future. So I'm going to stay with it. And everybody else needs to keep an eye on TNT because you guys get a future of tag team wrestling. Absolutely. And uh, do you have any events or coming up or social media that you want to promote? Yeah, we have um, Twitter. We both have a joint account under Twitter under uh, Hughes Bros. Oh, I'm sorry, Hughes Brothers. Uh, and then we both have Instagrams under our real names, Terrence and Terrell Hughes. Um, our next show is going to be in North Carolina for AML. It's uh, for um, it's a tag team match, uh, us against uh, Blanco, and then another uh, independent wrestler. So we have that coming up on the 25th of July for uh, AML. Beautiful. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, thank you guys again. Um, you know, best of luck and, you know, keep on crushing it. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you, guys. Take care. We appreciate it. Thank you. You too. All right. Now, that was Terrence and Terrell Hughes of TNT, an up-and-coming tag team in in AEW. They've been on AEW Dark a couple times. You got to check them out. Their matches are on YouTube. I mean, all their matches of AEW Dark R, but just type in TNT. They're very down-to-earth guys, Jeff. And you know what? They sound they sound very humble about their, you know, their up-and-coming with oh, their yeah. father. They, like, you know, they are so much like Devon. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Do you ever meet Devon? he is. What's that? You met Devon? Multiple times. Oh, nice. Where? Like, at uh, when you were wrestling? Indie shows and also autograph signings. Oh, know, nice. And all that kind of stuff. I met Devon like a bunch of times. Awesome. Um, and Bubba, for that matter. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, Bubba I only met at like, you know, signings and hangouts, but Devon, you know, with the show, he actually teamed with 
um, one of my really good friends, Jeff, uh, Tom McDog, he, um, you know, worked with Devon like multiple times. So. Awesome. No, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, those that was a great interview. Those guys are really up and coming. Mm-hmm. Like future attack team wrestling, like you can absolutely see it. The psychology, and, like, said, yeah, they get it. Like they completely get it. They're only like twenty four, twenty six. Yeah, I think they got twenty five, twenty six. But I mean, like yeah. what they have in their corner, I think, which separates them from a lot of other tag teams. Not just tag teams, just other professional wrestlers. It's just the training and. And the knowledge that they got from their father. I mean, the fact that he yeah. trained you, but he trained them specifically to be a tag team because that's that's the success that he had, and he sees that same success in them. Yeah. So, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we're we're interviewing not just Hall of Famers like Tito Santana. You know, we're not just interviewing guys like Tom Brandy and Pitbull Gary Wolf. We're, we're interviewing guys that are going to be the future of professional wrestling, like Terrence and Terrell Hughes and, and Anthony Bennett. You know, we interviewed Fred Rosser. So, I mean, you know, we're going to interview everybody. You know what? Past, present, and future. doesn't matter. That's what we do on Sons of Flip Radio. That's what we do. So, I got to... I want to I talk... I want to give Jeff Noyes a big shout-out because... Uh, Noise Toys gave me the hook up of all hookups, ladies and gentlemen. Gracing the 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 figure uh, rack, front and center is a Mister Perfect Hasbro. I have a Sergeant Slaughter Hasbro. Now chilling behind Mean Gene is a Mister Fuji LJM, which I didn't know that they made until uh, until oh, I saw yeah. Jeff's postings. And I got lucky, and I got a Series eighty. Hold on. Series 85 Bray Wyatt now. So I have all the Bray Wyatt elites now, which is awesome. But shout out to Noise Toys. Jeff, I mean, Jeff bought a van, right? Yep. Um, it's 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 a very nice van. Um, he's going to decal the shit out of it. Put put his put yep. his uh, decals on it everywhere. And you're hitting the road, so but you, like, dude. That's my investment into the business. I don't know who needs to hear this. But you're ramping it up, bro. You're straight yourself. ramping it up right now. I am 100%. This is life. This is my goal. This has been my dream for a long time. And this is what it is moving forward. Noise Toys has taken over. And we're taking it to the road now. Yeah. And at literally the day... Actually, the night that I bought the van, I contacted Terrificon in Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun for July 30th, 31st, and August 1st. We contacted them that night. They had an available spot. We jumped on it. Taking the van. We're going to Connecticut. We're going to kick some ass there. Is that comics and and wrestlers or just everything? So that is comic books, collectibles, all kinds of stuff. So for the comic book fans out there, there's um, Jim Starlin and Donnie Cates and multiple other names. But those are two of the biggest names in comic books, right? Mm -hmm. So you got those two artists that are going to be there. For the actor fans, you got Michael Rooker, who was Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy. And Sean Gunn, who played a lot of different characters. He was Craglin also in Guardians of the Galaxy. But that's, you know, just that kind of medium. And on top of it, there's going to be Kai Conti, Darby Allen, 
and Sammy Guevara are going to be there signing as well. Who gives a shit so about... Listen, listen, huge. listen. Who gives a shit about Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara? Ty Conti is going to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? She is just... Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. She'll, she may put you in some moves. She may put you in some moves, so you better be ready for that. I'm ready. You know, I'm happy and sad because... I'm happy that you're going, but I'm sad that you're missing Tomapalooza. Yeah, it's a bummer. I know. Your 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 first Tomapalooza, you're gonna be missing. Yeah. But you know what? It's fine. You know, I mean, I'll just I just expect a couple free Hasbro's to grace my collection soon, so <laughs> hey, it's fine. No, yeah, you're gonna so. you're gonna sneak a Hasbro on my collection. No, but I mean, out of all serious guys, like. If if you're if you're collecting professional wrestlers, like I'm just gonna talk about the wrestlers because no offense, Jeff, but I know nothing about X Men toys or nothing about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm just gonna shout you out on the wrestlers. If you're collecting Hasbro's, if you want to get rid of them, if you want to buy more, if you want to get rid of your LJNs, if you want to buy more, whatever you want to do with any action figure, please contact Jeff. I mean, this guy has a shitload of of stuff. He has mint on card. He has loose stuff. He has awesome things. I think I bought. Maybe eight or ten figures from you so far, but I mean, probably more. That's that. I mean, the problem with the toy world, you know. I guess we'll leave this into a little bit of toy talk for this episode. Is, I mean, I, again, just like professional wrestling, I watch it. You know, I've been watching for a long time. I've been collecting toys for a little bit, but I mean, like you, you wrestled. You know about wrestling. You know about toys. Is it just me, or is the market and the creativity for wrestling figures in the past? Maybe six months has kind of gone downhill a little bit, in your opinion. Um, the new stuff that's coming out has been, I mean, basically the new stuff that has come out has been a little lackluster. Mm-hmm. But they made some nice announcements of figures that will be coming out. Yeah, that I'm at least excited for. Yeah, they, so uh, they made the announcements. The yeah, I don't yeah. know if it was because of the low of COVID or because they keep fucking firing people. <laughs> they don't have like licenses anymore for certain people. I love it how they but, make Braun Strowman still, and they just came out with a Chelsea Green, and they just came out with yeah. another Aleister Black, and Chelsea Green already has autograph ones online on Cardona's um, Big Cartel store. Really? <laughs> of course. Of course. Me? Yeah. They're not going to miss an opportunity. No. Absolutely not. But like, I remember we talked about the Legend series coming out, and like the names are just like. It's just like I don't know what it is. Like when they talk about legends, they're bringing up guys like X Pac and Road Dog, and you know how many fucking Triple H figures can we have, and how many oh, of what, this? The other thing too is that like they, the older elites that they made of them have been basically uh, you're almost priced out of it because they're too damn expensive. So Mattel is trying to reissue or at least like issue a similar one so that mm-hmm. the regular everyday fan is going to be able to get it instead of paying a secondary market price. Like, so, they figure, why pay $100 from Joe Schmuck and Fart when you can just get it through <laughs> Mattel for 20 bucks? Uh, I, heard, so, I heard Joe Schmuck and Fart's getting over in uh, in Kansas right now or somewhere funky. Yeah, you know, what can, what can I say? Yeah, a funny, thing, a funny thing happened at the toy store, a.k.a. Target. So, finally, finally they decided to mark down the Bobby the Brain Heenan's um, thirteen dollars now on clearance. Nice. There's like nine of them there, 
And there's nine Bobby Heenans for $13. There's still the same five China WrestleManias sitting there on the pegs. I'm kind of surprised that one's still there. Really? Yeah. I think it's a nice figure. It's a nice figure, but I mean, the the main draw from that line was definitely Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I know, but still, like, you know, they they only did China, uh, that figure, and the two-pack with Triple H that was a ringside exclusive. Yes. So... So it's actually kind of nice to have that extra China. Plus, the China comes with the women's championship belt too. Yeah, and the uh, bad touch doll that goes with uh, <laughs> Paul Ellering. And of course, I had I had such a good string with Target, and then of course my Brutus the Barber is getting is is uh, supposed to come now between July seventh and July twentieth because it's on back order. I ordered the thing in March. Yeah, they're gonna cancel that on you. You think so? Yeah, Target blows. Because I can't, I can't get it anywhere else. Like, pre-orders on any of those sites are bullshit. The only pre-orders that it, like always go through is ringside, but you can't guarantee you can't get a Target exclusive at ringside. No, so. you can't, and especially with with the next series coming out, where it's Big John Stud, Macho Man with a creamer, um, yep. you know, Bam Bam Bigelow. I mean, those those. I need, I need eighty-seven at that. Yeah, no, I I want to get I want to get a lot, but I mean, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you, uh, have you, did you see what happened to Bailey? Yeah. Like, so we got, we'll go, we're done with the toy talk. We'll go down yeah. back into the wrestling talk. Yeah. So Bailey. Nine that, that was, minimum. that was toy talk on Sons of Flip Radio. Go ahead, Jeff. That was your toy talk. Yeah. Um, all noise toys, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, also <laughs> buy my stuff. Also sell me some cool stuff. Yes. Check me out on the road. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, and so, and yeah, and check out and check months. out the free candy van. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, nine months she'll be out minimum, and this is horrible. ACL. They desperately need women wrestling, and Bailey is the like top three in WWE. So. So guess what they did though? It's okay. Yeah. They brought over. Oh, they sh- brought over half of. Um, Keegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart's <laughs> names. They brought over Knox and Shotzi, who got a win over the tag team champions, Natalia and Tamina. And they also aired vignettes of Tony Storm coming to SmackDown. So Tony, right there. Tony deserves it. Yeah. Tony, I mean, Tony had a great UK career. Then she got kind of floundered in NXT. She had one. She had one or two women's title matches, but she, you know she went up against Rhea, and you knew that Rhea wasn't going to beat her. I mean, I mean, you know that she wasn't going to beat Rhea, and then she had a small program um, at the end of her NXT run with um, uh, what's her fucking name? She's t- a tag team champion, uh, Zoe Stark. But besides that, I mean, I think for her getting her to called up is a smart move, just to keep her going because I think that she is a very good wrestler. I think that she'll she's come. She's a very good wrestler. She has probably the most brutal finishing move in wrestling. You right think now. she'll come up as a heel or a face? Heel. Yeah, I mean, woman's heel. Because like... I just brought up two faces with Knox and Shotzi, so yeah. bring her in as a heel. And Bailey's injured, so they need a heel. Plus, Sasha Banks is coming back on Friday. So, I mean, what did the WWE do besides cutting down the names of Shotzi and Tegan Knox? Is they replaced. Bianca Belair or Carmella. I actually I mentioned, I, I mentioned this real quick while you were getting Terrence and Terrell on, but they're bringing in Carmella to wrestle Bianca for a women's title match this Friday in the first live 
event that uh, WWE is doing since WrestleMania. So, I mean, to me, I just imagine this being a finish for Bianca and then Sasha will come out and try to claim her dominance once again. Yeah, because Carmella, honestly, is not that good. No. But they will do that. But also, what we forgot to mention last week, because I thought I had a fucking gas leak, um, (laughs) Zelina Vega's back. Zelina Vega is back, and she is automatically inserted. And holy shit, Malachi Black is in AEW now. We didn't yeah. Even... So, yeah. so the, the the real life married couple of Zelina Vega and Aleister Black, aka Malachi Black, are now split up between companies because the WWE decides, after apologizing to her when she comes back into WWE, to bring her back. As a full-time wrestler, inserting her into the money in the bank, and in my opinion, she doesn't have an ice cube's chance in hell of winning. But I think what I think what they did that was just to say, "Hey, you know what? We're sorry." Okay. Yeah, and then they fucked up on the contract, and Malachi Black is able to go and wrestle. With yes, Vince Vince can't see his threes and nines anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Instead of a ninety-day uh, window, I guess it was a thirty-day window, and what happened? See now. This brought back memories of like Taz and like Sting. The the uh the screen goes black. It went black in the opening match with QT Marshall and Cody Rhodes in their South Beach strap match. And then Arn Anderson comes out to talk about his son and the lights go out and then you see Malachi Black sitting there and just gives him a wonderful black mask kick and then Cody comes down and he does the same thing. So since you're a Cody Mark, which you are in depth, I you are a Cody Mark. Do you? I am. Do you? I, I, I am very proud of that too. Do you? Do you think that Cody puts himself over on the on Malachi Black? No, no, because Cody's not an idiot. Okay. But as much as you hate him, Cody's not an idiot. He understands the business, and you bring in a guy like Malachi Black, he's got to go over. One hundred percent, he's got to go over. He's going to go over, and he's going to look great doing it. So he is going to be very good for AEW. This is a phenomenal signing for them. And this is the this is this is the best signing that they have done. I think. Get first of all. Well, it, well yeah. look at the other fucking horrible ones that they tried to push. <laughs> uh, at least this was a gigantic surprise. It was awesome. And getting Andrade. Getting Andrade was very good too. Andrade was very good too. But they did it in front of the live crowd, which was awesome. And on top of it, they showed him, like, um, what was it? He sold the eye injury from another company. Yep. He sold the eye injury from another company and showed up with that. Like, it was awesome. He's crossing gimmicks into different brands. Have we ever seen this before? No. We have never no, seen this well, before. Not, not really. You've seen a couple, but like that was great. Yeah. A kayfabe injury. A kayfabe injury. He freaking jumped shit. I think. And he's still selling the injury. I think that they did that on purpose because just to prove how much of a bullshit angle that was the entire time. Whether it was yeah. with Ray and Seth and then Murphy and, and Alistair and then Alistair got involved with his eye and then they change his music. They give him black wet, uh, patent leather pants and all this shit. I think that was just yeah. a rib to to them, to WWE. But, I mean, a, a couple things. The fact that you have Malachi Black and Andrade, 
I really hope those two guys wrestle each other in AEW. Did you see Andrade's debut match? Yeah, it was good. He came out full suit with the mask on. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. I like him a lot, and I really always have. So mm-hmm. it's going to be entertaining to see what he's going to do. Now, the, the handcuffs of the E are fucking off, so he could actually be used. It's yes. going to be nice. It's, it's going to be like, this is this is a nice time. Like, we always talk about lulls in professional wrestling. I this, told you, I, like, look, you could go back to our catalog and you could hear all the shit that we talk. Anywhere I you find your this, podcasts. I said this for months, that they've been waiting for the quarantine to kind of get lifted. And they were going to have live crowds again to see exciting shit. And already AEW proved it, and very soon WWE is going to prove it too. What do you think is going to happen with WWE? <laughs> What 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 do you honestly think? Because I I think Cena's coming back on Friday. That's my opinion. Cena's Cena's gonna come back. I feel like Brock is gonna come at it sometime too. Because although I don't think that's personally interesting, but that's something that the crowd will pop for. I mean, Brock and Bobby is gonna be good. Brock and Bobby would be great. Yeah. But, you know, they they're gonna try to do something that they think is gonna be relevant. But since it's they, um. You know, it's going to be the same old kind of shit. What do you think of, like, um, what do you think of someone coming up from NXT, like, say, Adam well, Cole? They already, did that. they already did that with a bunch of the women. Um, I don't know what male wrestler they could call up to do that, because all the male wrestlers are great down there. But I see, I could absolutely see Adam Cole finally coming up. Yes. This may be the time for Adam Cole to come up. Um, he's coming off a loss... Actually, no. He, he's coming off a win to Kyle O'Reilly at uh, the Great American Bash from last week. So yeah. maybe that was his little send-off. Um, yeah, I think he's, that he's, he, coming. he's coming up. Yeah, he's coming. It sucks that it's not the whole Undisputed Era. Yeah, but he's coming up. I think um, Roderick Strong's... I personally a, still don't care because I don't care. Huh? I still personally don't care because I don't care about Adam Cole that much. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like it's his time now. I mean, but remember, he could fall into the trap of WWE. I mean, honestly, we haven't seen Keith Lee. You know, Aleister Black's in AEW. Vendrade's in AEW. Bobby Roode, where the fuck has he been? I mean, Drew McIntyre's Drew McIntyre. Uh, Shinsuke's now wearing a crown. Baron Corbin's trying to find the inner Baron. Like, who knows what's going on? Have you been following this Baron Corbin story? No, and I won't, and I don't care. So so the Hot Topic guy, your favorite guy, Baron Corbin, he loses the king gimmick. His hair is growing back now. He's coming in as Baron Corbin. So I think what they're trying to do with him is they're trying to make the fans feel sorry for him. Yeah. But I can't get behind a guy who I never liked originally. So I don't I don't know why they're I don't know why they're doing this. It makes I, comp- have, nothing to, I have nothing to chime in on because I'm playing. <laughs> uh, that's that's why I love you, Mister Wonderful. I love how brutally honest you are. But it's plain and simple. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put a dollar into anything that Ryan Corbin fucking does because I don't give a flying fuck. I don't care. <laughs> no, but everybody out there listening, listen. This they next shouldn't care either, and I really don't think they. Yeah. Do. Well. We got to talk about it, though, because that's that's what we do. We have no scripts here. But listen, the next 
two weeks of professional wrestling with SmackDown Live and you have Money in the Bank and so much story. This is this is when you got to watch. Okay, if you're if you're a watcher of wrestling, oh, you know I watch it like once a week, whatever. You got to start watching it now because you're gonna see some shit that they've been saving for a long time. And you know what? If it's shit on top of shit, we're still gonna talk about it because that's what we do here on Sons of Flip Radio. Because remember, you can find us every week. This is episode number 68 that we have done. We're inching towards the infamous 69, inching towards the infamous 100 episode, which we're going to have a jam-packed show. And guess what? 31 weeks away? Who knows what the fuck is going on? But we don't we don't talk about it because we go week to week because that's what we do. Um, as always, you can find us on social media. We're on Instagram at Sons of Flip Radios. Um, we are on Facebook at Sons of Flip Radio. You can email us at Sons of Flip Podcast at gmail.com. The most yes, handsome. They're not asking me to say that. Yeah. <laughs> the most handsome dad in the room will be back next week. Uh, but I mean, next week we're gonna. I mean, I kind of teased Jeff for this Friday or Saturday a little Instagram live to talk about Money in the Bank. So we'll probably yeah. be we're we're gonna be doing something on Instagram live at the end of this week. Saturday I'll be at the uh, the Titan Championship Wrestling. Yeah. Maybe Slay in the maybe it. maybe we can do like Saturday morning or something. It doesn't matter when we do it. Uh, yeah. but we're going to be, we're going to be doing, we're going to be coming to you live oh, for a little bit. Just talking about money in the bank because it is this weekend and there's a lot of stuff going on. So watch out for that. Um, as always, thank you for listening to this brand new episode. We'll be coming back to you next week with our money in the bank review, other shit that we will talk about when we talk about it. Cause there's no scripts here, but in the meantime, I'm the $100 man, Thomas Lisi. Always join with, with Mr. Wonderful Jeff noise. Wonderful. Wonderful. Big shout out to Terrence and Terrell Hughes for being on Sons of Flip Radio. Follow them on their social medias. Check out their matches in AW. They're a great tag team. And as always, peace, love, and wrestling. Enjoy Money in the Bank. Enjoy professional wrestling. And get the tables. And get the motherfucking tables. We are out for today. Take care.